0: Are you interested in improving your procurement and negotiation skills and understanding? Well, this is the podcast for you. The Procurement Podcast with Andy and Christophe. Welcome to the Procurement Podcast and round the table this week we've got uh, Joe Bailey, who I'll introduce formally in a second, and Christophe Baria-Vaju, who is... Well, Christophe, you can speak for yourself. You are.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, my name is Christophe. Uh surname is a bit, a uh, bit long and complicated. Um, I own a company called BBW Global and um, been doing procurement for a long, long, long time. And um, and excited to uh, to be on the podcast again and, and interview uh, Joe Bailey. Joe Bailey is uh, is very well known within the government um, agencies here in New South Wales, and uh, I think she's uh, going to provide some valuable um, information to the listeners today.
0: Yeah, certainly. Looking forward to it. And my name's Andy Franks. I'm the uh, managing director of Bright Sky Clear Mind, a Change Management and Procurement Negotiation uh, Consultancy. Uh, so to introduce this week's guest, we've got Joe Bailey. Uh, Joe's the co-founder and CEO of Progressive Systems, hundred percent women-owned procurement consultancy supporting sustainability, online procurement, and successful contracts and suppliers. Prior to her consulting years Jo was the CPO for the New South Wales Department of Education providing successful solutions for over 2,000 schools and she was nominated by her peers to chair the New South Wales Procurement Leadership Group. She's also worked within New South Wales Procurement after spending her formative procurement years in private sector of financial services. Jo is MCIPS qualified and a strong advocate of the procurement profession. So today, Joe, we're talking about how procurement can positively impact businesses, communities, and careers, and also how listeners uh, and how listeners, regardless of their role within their organisation, can develop and leverage procurement to achieve and exceed their organisation's objectives. So, Joe, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. It's nice to be here.
0: So, uh, the question we like to always kick off with is, what's your definition of procurement?
2: So to me Procurement is much more than just the act of acquiring something, it's the commercial approach to identifying and implementing business solutions. And that's everything from identifying your objective, working out the best way to achieve it and then to source what you need and manage it to ensure that the benefits are realised. So Procurement can deliver the greatest value to organisations when it has much more strategic focus from concept and solution design through to implementation and ongoing management. There's so much potential if you can encourage your procurement functions to be thinking in those terms.
1: That's that's a very big topic, Joe. What? uh, How do you feel that um, organisations are addressing those specific areas of procurement at the moment? Are we are we still being too simplistic, or are there organisations that are so well advanced?
2: There is both. Yes. a lot of organisations, are, are, some are redressing it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very, very mature um, areas and there are some that are still, still evolving.
1: Is, it, is this part of the, part of the challenge, or, or I wouldn't say the problem, but part of the challenge? Is it is it the way that procurement professionals are being uh, educated, are being taught, or is it just um, the requirements of the organisation not being presented, you know, in such a way that people feel entitled to address procurement in a deeper, meaningful way?
2: I think it's possibly stemming from the organisation itself. Um, There is opportunity from a training and development perspective if people know about it and look for it and take it on. Uh, but very often, uh, there's, it's a matter of not knowing what you don't know, sort of thing. So, um, organisations that have very basic procurement, and that's all the individuals have been engaged uh, to do, and that's all they know to do. So they, they don't know what else is out there.
1: It's, it's interesting because Andy, how do you how do you change that? You know, you you go into an organisation, you have a team that is. This is what they do, this is what they know. And there's a lot of things like Joe mentioned that they don't know what they don't know. And you come in as either an external provider or consultant, a contractor, or, or a new um, employee that try to rock the boat a bit.
0: Yeah, I think and it's, it's a, a, a traditional um, problem or challenge for anybody new into, into a procurement organization to, to change things over. Um, people are inherently change resistant. And uh, you need to have a fairly thick skin to, to go through the initial challenges of, of getting people to accept the way they've been working previously isn't automatically the best way to work. Um, and some people will uh, always throw back the, oh, it's just change for change sake. And of course, you know, procurement uh, professionals don't want to walk into an organisation uh, and do nothing. You know, it, it's you know, like we were having a conversation before starting the podcast about government. You know, no government, new government worth its salt will go into, into Parliament and say, are oh, we just going to carry on doing what they've been doing? Because the whole point about...
1: Is about change, yeah? Is about
0: change. Whether, whether that change is, is genuinely required or not. And we see that on a, on a global basis in terms of the you know, way organisations constantly battle between centralised and decentralised. So we're going to have centralised procurement. We're going to have decent.
1: Yeah, well, this brings me to a question, Joe. You've you've worked in government uh, uh, for a long time, and how are those change programs aligning to the uh, political cycle?
2: Well. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting because every every few years there's an election and everything needs to stop because things may change. There'll be somebody else will come in and, and they'll have different views and different ways of doing things. And and leading up to that, um, everything stops. And 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 so it's very hard to to.
1: Give keep that momentum. Keep and, and, the momentum,
2: and, uh, do, uh, do anything innovative uh, and create a lot of change. Uh, there's opportunities to do that at different times of those cycles. Um, but yes, you're right around um, the, the decentralising and the centralising.
0: So one of the first challenges for procurement uh, procurement directors is they'll invariably take on the low hanging fruit and whatever has been done previously, they will go you know, to the to the opposite extreme. And it, I think it takes a lot of courage in an organisation to go into 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 a new place and say, actually, you've been doing this really well. You know, you're, my predecessors done a really good job. And I suppose that brings us to you know almost to talk to you, Joe, about your organisation and uh, and really just um, how does it work within your within your organisation?
2: Well, where I'm working now is uh, within a uh, women-owned consultancy for procurement. And uh, so it's just a small consultancy and and the procurement people are experts and leaders in their field. And so we're working with um, a number of different organisations, predominantly at this stage, uh, government organisations, to help support some of their procurement initiatives and also work with them in in a number of leadership areas. And and leadership I use as a loose term in in terms of um, high level different initiatives, One of our passions, for example, is helping with the Aboriginal businesses policies. And we're helping to um, explain to government organisations about some of the processes and things that they can do to uh, help Implement that policy. Yeah. So the policy doesn't talk about the practicalities yeah. um, and how you can go about getting there, and what are some of the pitfalls and and um, some of the ways to be able to do more than just tick a box. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one of the things that.
1: And, and you've been on both sides. You've been, you know, on the on the government side. Now you are providing uh, advice to government, and some of these um, procurement programs may not be on the tick list on, on you know so you need to convince an agency that there is value into that and having been on the other side you know it's, it's a bit always challenging because you believe that there is true value in, in the solution that you want to, to offer but on the other hand there might be other priorities
2: well, yeah, that that's true. And it, it is always true. Um, you're never going to have the same priority as somebody else. Um, but from within, uh, when I was working within government, um, even within um, private sector, uh, we were very much looking to what are the values, what are the policies, and not so much about oh, I've got to do that policy, but it's like, yes, I'll just find the shortest, um, easiest route to tick that box, as opposed to what's the intent of the policy? What is it trying to achieve? Yeah. And can I actually make a difference?
1: Well, you've, you've had some experience into that, Andy, I think.
0: Yeah, certainly. Had, you know, there are, and I think it comes down to whatever we believe as procurement professionals procurement can, can do, can add where the value we see it can add. It isn't always inherent within an organisation's understanding or in, even within their own DNA to, to recognise that procurement isn't just. You know, I, I, Interestingly, I had a conversation about a potential project uh, at the beginning of this week and the three questions I were asked "So, can you uh, uh, share with us the, uh, the financial value that you've been able to bring to an organisation? In other words, what's the best deal you've done and I said, I thought we're here to talk about procurement. <laughs> and then, mm. to which they went, well, what do you mean? And then I was able to, to uh, expand on that as, a, as a, a, so well. It is about, you know, it's about the, the policies, it's about procedures, it's about, you know, yeah, the value isn't immediately pinpointed as X number of dollars. It is, uh, it is, yeah, there is potentially a, a dollar value which comes through with this, but the broader a you know, more holistic view could be like this, and so yeah, you're very right, Christoph. I've had experience where uh, organisations do uh, only look at it in pure uh, in, in pure spreadsheet terms, uh, and then come you know in terms of your organisation, Joe, where you know particularly if you're working with you know different communities, you know women's only um, uh, consultancy, uh, there's some real opportunity there um to to change people not only people's um, uh, best working practices but also you know some of the the fundamental principles that they've they've held on to because that's what comes with an organization to actually actually we can do this thing differently now
2: yeah um in terms of Looking at procurement, you touched on the fact that everybody seems to think that it's it's mostly about reducing costs, and that's the most obvious place, and that's what's expected. Um, and, and in terms of bringing value, how procurement can positively impact businesses it is yes it's a great place for people to start where they haven't done that before in terms of reducing costs so the low-hanging fruit and the opportunities that are there to reduce costs for the business Um, it's important that they do that um, but i much prefer to focus on achieving real value for an organization so unfortunately the business and procurement world has facilitated what I call a race to the bottom, where going cheaper and cheaper has resulted in global environmental and human rights issues, that we're responsible now to fix.
0: Absolutely, and, and, you know, and I think that's, that's you know, music to my ears, to, to hear that as a, as a set of principles. And I think it's uh, one of those fundamental issues because ultimately, you know, if, if, the, if the, the level of, uh, or the direction of progress continues uh, down, as you say, in the race to the bottom, There'll be nothing left.
2: No, that's right. And that's
0: you know, it's and particularly you try and sort of articulate that to, and a lot I think a, sort of taking a bit of a leap, but a lot of this comes from the way um, CEOs, CFOs, and CPOs are remunerated.
1: That's right. Yeah. And
0: the remuneration package drives a whole set of uh, um, Behaviour. behaviours that we're that ultimately. Uh, devalue the business.
1: Yes, well, there's the saying that says it's bad to pay too much, but it's worse to pay too little. Yes, yeah, right. And, and you know, you drive your suppliers down to the strict minimum, and and the profit margin is so thin that uh, their own survival is at risk, mm. and and you depend on the suppliers to fulfil your customers and your clients. And
0: I, I would add to that. I think one of the areas where uh, I've worked. Quite uh, extensively in the UK uh, publishing um, market and uh, there was a notorious publishing publisher who um, whose sole desire was to to drive his suppliers out of business because his mindset was there are a hundred printers in the UK and as long as there 's still one uh, I can still publish my I can still publish my magazines uh, the fact that i 've helped put ninety percent out of business mm. by Reducing, you know, by not paying bills at all, or saying I'll agree to pay 30%, and you can take it or leave it. Take me to court. Um, horrendous. And there was always a wish from other com- competitive publishers that somebody would stand up to, to this bully. Uh, and it, you know, we've seen it in the, the highest offices in the world, where you know, non-payment of bills, pushing back, challenging people to go to court. Uh, is the modus operandi of of major organizations Uh, and you know the current incumbent at the White House is quite happily built his uh, his business empire on debt Um, But it's it's the debt of suppliers
1: So then you have someone within procurement that knows that this may not be the way forward So how does procurement go about? educating changing or, or influencing the, the the top management level to say look i know you want rock bottom price but this yeah. is going to impact so there's a whole change management aspect to it
0: yeah i think the uh, yeah now i think one of the uh, challenges for us is is how we um uh yeah how we have that uh conversation.
1: So how can procurement add value to um, you know to the business within a, as a procurement function, how can procurement do
2: this? I think the procurement team needs to really focus on why their organisation exists and what that organisation is striving to achieve and then aligning their procurement strategies, their plans and their measures to that mm-hmm. as opposed to working in isolation as, as what does procurement want to achieve. Um, they need to get to know the stakeholders, including the organisation's customers, and earn the trust and respect of, of all the stakeholders, including suppliers, the internal executive business partners and the colleagues.
1: I've been in organisations where procurement um, does not know their internal customers. Mm. And as an external party, you say, here, here's the procurement team, introducing them to the marketing team or the finance team. And when, when you are at that stage, you know there's a lot of work to be done because uh, <laughs> that should not be the case at all. So I agree in terms of working and having procurement work with the different functions of the business in order to contribute to that value to that of that function and vice versa. So there's an alignment of... The, uh, the overall objectives that we're trying to do with the strategic plan of the organisation in order to deliver value to your, to your consumers or to your customers.
2: Yeah, well, that, that's exactly right, because um, I was at an event recently where the individuals were saying how much they were frightened of the procurement people because they were the ones that would tell them that they'd done something wrong. Um, They were the ones that told them they had to go back and do something differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And they just didn't want to approach them. Uh, So the procurement team needs to be approaching people in terms of how can I help and support your business and help you to succeed.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I think that's a very,
1: very valid point. Almost like an internal consulting team.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They are your clients, so. Um,
1: Is there any other ways that procurement can benefit businesses?
2: Uh, Yes, well, instead of just, as well as, sorry, focusing on the organisation's core business, procurement can also be very adept at streamlining the order to pay processes and making life easier for everyone. So simple, well-controlled procurement processes provide significant value through managed risk, Mm -hmm. increased productivity and greater transparency. And then of course, when business leaders start seeing the reports that procurement generates, showing information about the things that mean something to them, and better still when that information shows positive results, procurement starts to be seen in a very different and positive light. Um, But procurement doesn't just bring value to its own organisation, how they engage the supply market and manage their suppliers can also have a very positive impact for
1: everyone. In what ways?
2: Well, procurement can influence ethical and professional behaviour. So it's in the bidding process, in the supply chain, through specifications, guidance and and oversight, for example. Um, Procurement can also help to develop and grow their selected suppliers to over time improve the businesses and the value that they bring. So it doesn't just help the procurement organisation, it then helps the suppliers, customers as well, other customers.
1: It's almost the extended value chain. Mm. that's. um...
2: So managing suppliers to deliver and improve their value to you and supporting the development in the process is a strong way of becoming a customer of choice to your supplier. So when you're a customer of choice, your suppliers or any supplier will be very competitive about winning and then keeping your business. Mm-hmm. So that's how it comes back to benefiting the organization again.
0: One of the things we touched on before before we started this conversation was about one of your experiences in the financial sector, about building a procurement team that actually built up your supplier uh, uh, and gave them awards for best supplier mm-hmm. of the year. And that, you know, music, again music to my ears, I, I said it twice. Um, Can you just shed a little bit of light on on what you did at that? Don't need to mention the company, but but...
2: Oh, well, we did it with with all of our key suppliers in terms of measuring their performance and and watching their KPIs. And and some of them, even quite big organisations, went on a very big trajectory in terms of their performance. Um, And... Uh, yeah, you have to be a little bit hard in terms of raising their KPI targets and things like that, and initially that's a hard conversation to have, but ultimately um, you, you wouldn't make them set them up for fail. Ultimately, we're looking for realistic um, performance measures to support the organisation, our organisation's improvements, etc. cetera, um, and what we found was that they turned around and had a great deal of respect for the procurement team because it, it did challenge them and put them to um, strive for different things, and they put new things in their business that they were then able to then on sell to their own customers, and they just thought that was terrific.
0: And you you you, you, picked, you, you shared a, a beautiful phrase that uh, you discovered after you and your team had left the description yeah. of how the relationship had had moved from
2: the suppliers. It, uh, later, told us it went from being a peacock to a feather duster, oh. which is such a shame. <laughs> you don't want to see that. You sort no. of hope that no, you, you, can, you set it up and leave things as a, as a legacy, but it doesn't always happen that way. As you say, people want to come in and make their own stamp and do things differently.
1: Is it necessary or is, it, is there an opportunity for um, for procurement to go through a rebranding exercise? On how it's being perceived both internally and within the suppliers as well, you think?
2: It depends on where where a procurement functions at. Obviously, as I yeah. said, there are some that are very, very mature. Um, but I would say, yeah, definitely. If, if if you want to, if you're in a procurement team that you want to uh, step up, become more strategic, um, be able to add greater value and give back, then certainly there's there's a whole lot of things that you would need to to do around that in order to uh, make those changes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Excellent. I think, yeah, I mean, oh. one of the things that I've been sort of wrestling with Christoph on that is, is whether procurement should even undergo a name change. I mean, not
1: well, procurement has always been at the centre of, of discussions. You know, people complain that procurement is not being perceived strategically strategy, yeah. strategically, yeah. within, within, <laughs> <laughs> within organisations and whether it should sit under finance, whether it should sit under... You know. I, I no. think,
0: yeah, I think it says a lot about an organisation uh, where that ultimate reporting lines Uh, In my experience, where procurement reports into the CFO, it's a very different dynamic to reporting into a COO or even a CEO.
1: Or even being on palm. Yeah,
0: uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. and and that's where you have those organizations where there's a CPO, but there's still that where does that ultimate responsibility. The CPO is not the head of the organization because, as, as you've already touched on, Joe, it's about what value can procurement bring to the organization, not not what can the organisation do to, pr- to boost the profile of the procurement function, mm. which is... And there are some procurement functions that, that um, I've seen in operation who work completely oblivious to the rest of, of actually the, the aims and desires of the organisation.
2: Yes, and look, I agree completely. If it sits within the finance... Um, area it has a completely different focus and it is all about finance costs and etc as opposed to being in a strategic area where it can be working with how the organisation is going to benefit its own customers. Mm. Uh, so it does look, dif- uh, look different depending on where it sits. Uh, it acts differently and it's perceived differently. Yeah. Um, you touched on changing the name procurement. I've seen that before and I've certainly been involved in those sorts of um, conversations before. Uh, I don't think that's the right thing to do. I I, yeah. I believe that, I mean, you know, we've, we've moved from the purchasing and supply to the procurement and supply. Um, in our organisations and, and industry groups are, are, are talking about that. They've made that shift already to, yeah. to start making it that way. I think even our census um, only relatively recently started to recognise procurement as a profession. So it would be a shame to suddenly Australia's change it. so much more it.
0: advanced than the UK. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it, it would be the wrong timing. And I just I think it's really incumbent upon the procurement professional people to raise the profile of procurement as opposed to change its name and bury it and hide it.
0: Yeah, I, I think invariably you know any organization that undergoes significant rebranding if you go if you if you, you're onto your third name then there's most probably something fundamentally flawed with mm. it so um yeah it's it, what name uh, what other name out of interest what other names did you ever come up with
2: oh we were commercial directors and, and um you know the, the commercial team and uh, i've seen those yeah. sorts of things but there, there were discussions more around the and commercial is is yeah. right because it is a commercial function. Um, but I wouldn't be changing the name from Procurement. I just no, and, and, need and, and to explain and what and Procurement we're is On,
0: on uh, yeah, episode two of the Procurement podcast, we hope that change doesn't happen just <laughs> yet. Yeah.
1: yeah, sorry, uh, yeah, yeah. we need to re register yeah, your yeah, name. Yeah, domain names are just too, too expensive these days. <laughs> so that brings us nicely to the second area that can positively uh, be impacted by procurement communities.
2: If we can talk further about the value that we bring to businesses when we talked about helping those organisations to develop and become stronger. Um, The other element of that, of course, is if those businesses are uh, are smaller businesses or those that are supporting disadvantaged um, groups and things like that, um, or they have those, those types of businesses in their supply chain, then we're starting to really help and support communities. And so that's um, another area that that I like to touch on. So we look at it in terms of the, the, the business value and then you think, well, then you're starting to also support communities by being a part of procurement. Um, so it's it is partly about how you influence the sourcing and the contract management area, but it's also in the planning and working with your organisation to understand what impact you are and could be making in line with the organisation's values and the customer and staff expectations. Yes. So probably the best way of highlighting the breadth of community impact possibilities is by explaining sustainable procurement. So that, I-
1: That's a whole different topic that a lot of organisations are, are just just mm-hmm. dabbling just a tiny bit in there. Yeah, yeah
2: and, and it, often people think of the word sustainable and they just think environment, yeah. full stop, um, but I quite like the introduction to the international standard for sustainable procurement, which I'll I'll read. It it says in part, and I quote, procurement is a powerful instrument for organisations wishing to behave in a responsible way and contribute to sustainable development. So it goes on to say, by integrating sustainability and procurement, in the policies and practices, including supply chains, organisations can manage risk and opportunities related to environment, social and economic development." Unquote. So many organisations are now considering how their operations and their purchasing is contributing to the improvement or the decline of the human rights and labour practices, the environment, operating practices, consumer issues, and community involvement and development—they are all the elements in sustainable development, not mm, not, yeah. not just. It looks like we are touching it to
1: ethical procurement uh, more than you know, like a um, procurement driving sources of you know, savings uh, in that case, which which for organisation will be um, maybe a hard sell depending on what business you're in.
2: Oh, I don't know. If you don't have an ethical procurement function, I don't think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um,
0: <laughs> sorry to break it to each other. There are one or two out there. There are one or two out there, that, there, two out there but yeah. they're not the
2: ones that we would, uh, yeah. we would advocate. So I just think yeah. with, with organisations, if they structure their procurement in accordance with that international standard, mm-hmm. Um, not only will they benefit directly, but significant change can occur over time that will improve communities globally and locally, and reversing that race to the bottom that I mentioned before. So, if if you look at that, that international standard, how they structure procurement, it is it is a, a perfect model in my mind, it is, yeah. virtually. It's,
1: it's hard to sell this, though. How to sell this within yeah, an organisation?
2: But, but
0: that- just because something's hard to do doesn't mean we shouldn't strive true. for it.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and it, it does, it sounds daunting and it sounds like it's a huge thing to get started and it's certainly not something you try and do all at once. It's something that you, it becomes a part of what you do and helps guide your continued improvement. Um, you know, the first step, I think, is is to establish and communicate that that's your values within your organisation so you have a sustainable policy and communication Um, and then based on your organisation's risks and priorities you can put in an initial action plan. Um, My team at Progressive Systems has has developed a get started program that can help organisations do just that but in terms of examples of what's involved um, an organisation might decide that their priority as an example is, is that their own practices with suppliers and, and employees um, are fair. They would look into that and, and whether that's ethical. So that could be their, their first step or their priority. Um, or they may want to start by developing socially responsible programs, which may, for example, include engaging and supporting Aboriginal businesses, which is topical here, particularly in government, but not just government, because uh, it's also with organisations that need to work with government. Um, or it could be to um, help organisations that employ disadvantaged people. Um, Or that might not be a priority for an organisation, it might be that their next step is to look at the environmental impact of their operations um, on their purchases and and any impact that they have uh, on communities at any stage of development, be it delivery um, or production right through delivery, use or end of life. understanding if they're buying from ethical sources or if their supply chains are permitting slavery or causing environmental damage.
1: So, how, how would an organization go about starting this process? Will it be through a, a an audit, an assessment? A, um, you know, a, a, how do you how do you get going? How do you start on this topic of sustainable procurement? Yeah,
2: I, I think it starts from the top. The leadership they need to understand or, or believe um, that that is part of their values. Uh, it, it I think will definitely meet customer expectations. Staff. Um, expectations, etc. cetera, so uh, talking and having those conversations and then establishing uh, a policy and a communication, a statement that says this is um, what we want to do in terms of being sustainable and, and having this um, leverage through your procurement function because the procurement function can absolutely help you to support that, that whole um, element of sustainable procurement or sustainability and social responsibility for your organisation. Um, and as I said, then it's just a matter of working through what are your priorities in those um, various pillars within this, if you if you go by the Sustainable um, Procurement International Standard and understanding what your priorities are and um, deciding which, which ones is, is developing the action plan. So, uh, I mean, it's going to apply to everybody, every, every organisation, so suppliers around the world are making these changes um in response to business demands to meet government policies and consumer and shareholder expectations so anyone can make a start they won't be alone in doing so their business partners are already um uh, familiar with it so you won't be surprising them um, and it, it will likely be delighting their customers and their staff if they do it
0: sounds That's That's great cool. doesn't <laughs> <whole new> it <laughs> Yeah, Christoph looks shocked. He says, "I've got to learn all this nah, stuff." No, no a, I'm no.
1: just thinking about all the implications, and depending yeah. on the type of business that you are, how deep can you go into that value chain, into that supply chain, to go down to the raw material? what's some of those issues
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. can,
1: and most of that is not even visible to level two, level three, or, or you know, level four, the supply supply chain and uh, you are the end bit and say okay we need to make um, uh, some work toward you know sustainable procurement but your immediate visibility is is supplier number 1 and perhaps supplier number 2 yeah. and most of the issue happens at 3 4 5 or 6
0: but I, and i think the the point that i was i think particularly taken by is that actually your you know your suppliers in most instances will be buying a number of the same things that you're buying, just to, to make their business function. So there won't be there won't be surprise that when you turn around and say, actually, we, we want to approach this on a more ethical basis. We need to have greater transparency and understanding. Originally, certainly in some industries, the the uh, environmental aspect was the first and foremost. But then talking about you know human rights as being a you know, you know that comes to the forefront. You see more when there's been. Uh, you know, some of the big-name cases where potential exploitation of child labour or even sl- effectively slave labour um, and again it whilst it's 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 in that h- quite hard box there's no reason we can't uh, and I think as as procurement professionals w- we should embrace it and that's obviously what you're uh, supporting with your organisation yeah,
2: T- definitely.
0: one of the just a, a quick question it, it's a um, your organisation's at women only.
2: No, it isn't women only. It's women owned.
0: Women owned. Okay. Yeah. So I just wanted clarity around that because I was going to say that would be an interesting proposition. Well,
2: yeah, that would be discriminatory, wouldn't women it? Wouldn't it just? Mm. But women owned. Mm. It, it
0: was is that is, is that by design or by default?
2: Well, it's by default. I just happened to be born that way, and so did yeah. my partner. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I see. Um, so that the, the two of us are extremely uh, experienced. Having many decades of, of yeah. experience in, in procurement in different areas, yeah. um, myself in in general goods and services procurement and then procurement leadership, and Sharon in the um, e-commerce e procurement
0: okay.
2: uh, elements. So uh, and she's done that for a very long time with yeah. with great deal of success. So we we both have two very different areas. We just decided to come together very and natural and skill form, sets. Yeah, yeah, progressive. Yeah systems um, and the fact that that then contributes to organisation supply diversity, then yeah. then that's a good thing yeah. as well. Fantastic. Mm. Fantastic.
0: So, and so, how did procurement you know, possibly impact on careers?
2: Well, before I talk about procurement as a career choice, I should briefly mention how procurement is an enabler. So this means that they work with their internal business partners to help them achieve their objectives and ultimately help them to be successful. So procurement should and can help people across the organisation to excel in their own roles and careers. So that's one, the first way of looking at it in terms of helping careers. Um, But then focusing on procurement as a profession, it's undergoing dramatic change around the world as we've been talking about the evolution from from purchasing right through to being much more strategic. Uh, There are some nations that aren't anywhere near as advanced as as some others, Um, but Prickerman is fast developing new thinkers and moving away from the old school purchasing mentality. We're seeing passionate strategic thinkers that realise the beneficial influence they can have. So seeing that their job can give back and loving what they do as a result. Mm-hmm. So I certainly, I certainly get that when okay. I'm able to do yeah. um, a lot of things that that more than tick a box from a policy and economic development and social responsibility yeah. perspective. And there are a lot of people in that in that sphere as well. So mm-hmm. they're able to give back with their role and they just love it. Um, so despite that, not many people. I'm in the procurement. Profession can say that they took it up as a, as a direct career choice, which you know from the outset, and that needs to change. We need to be able to get to yeah. um, people in their early stages of, of considering their future careers and yeah. and be able to um, let them know that this is a real and genuine choice.
0: Yeah, we we touched on that, but well, whilst um, before before the podcast, just about yeah. how uh, careers officers. Don't naturally you look at somebody and say, "Do you know what? A, a, a lifetime in procurement is the role for you." Do you um, just as a, a just a brief? Do, do you have much experience, or have you seen much experience of people who started started in procurement but managed to um, uh, diversify in their career paths? Have you come across many people who've been? in that procurement role, but then actually broadened out into, uh, you know, CEO...
1: Different functions.
2: Oh, right, yeah. Um, Well, I'd like to encourage them to continue to always work through as a, as a procurement leader, yeah. um, but you but the, the different roles and the different spheres and areas that you can work by being in procurement is probably the most exciting because it's so diverse, whereas, you know, if you can get into one area and that's all you ever focus on, but procurement gets to work across an entire organisation. There's very few professions that can do that, so you could be working with production one day, you'd be working with marketing the next, um, with finance, with IT, and you can either build very deep expertise in those areas or you can always remain a generalist. Um, so I think that's probably one of the most exciting things about procurement is that you're ever-evolving and ever-moving um, and, and working in different areas of the business. So and You can
0: be, yeah, become exceptionally influential in that space. And I think it's one of the fascinating things about uh, I think procurement so, and, and
1: you also educate the other functions as well because, um, you know, marketing may come up with a concept that says, hey, we want this, and then you look at the the materials or or the design that they want to to introduce and say, this is going to be very, very costly. Let me have a chat to finance about this. Mm. Because Mm. the the profit margin might be uh, severely impacted.
2: Yeah, well, and I think some of the best um, influence you can have is the the fact that you can really help them nail down what's their true objective. Often they will come to procurement or, or, or consider that and say, we want to get this. And when you talk through and get to the why... and and really get to the heart of what is it that you're trying to achieve with that. And what you realise is that their objective isn't that they want to get that, they want to achieve this. And yeah. oh, actually, if you did this, you might achieve it much more efficiently, um, so much faster, even better than what you had ever conceived. So yeah. that's where I think procurement really can get to um, add greater value is just yeah. by helping the organisation to to clarify exactly what that objective yes. is and, and giving them alternatives and different mm-hmm. options. and. And, and, and helping um, to empower them to make better decisions by giving them more information.
1: So where to from now?
2: I think really I'd like to talk a little bit about different ways of being able to help find those people and, and develop those procurement people um, within an organization. Because if you are within or, in an organization where um, the procurement people are not yet evolved or don't know very much about procurement, it's a matter of, well, how would I start? Um, and I guess where you'd start is by trying to raise awareness and, and capability about procurement across your entire organisation. So you'd start with your procurement team, obviously, and then you would go and um, make sure that everybody in your organisation from your um, key people that have to manage um, contracts, for example, or that have to do other sourcing that aren't necessarily just within the sourcing team. Help them to understand um, contemporary procurement and the organisation's policies and procedures so that you're all on the same, um, coming from the same consistent base. And, and really, you can, you can go across an, uh, the entire organisation to explain to them more about procurement and help uplift um, their own knowledge and skills. Uh, so everybody that has to buy or use something for their organisation, which is everybody, um, can, can become more familiar with procurement. And one of the things that I did that I found very successful was to put in a, a cadet and graduate program so that we engaged them um, at, a, at a junior administrative level but they were on a rotation and and they had a training program and the aim was that within two years they would seek higher roles or achieve higher roles and then we would fill those vacancies with new people so we were forever growing new procurement people uh, and that was that was quite successful and I and I did enjoy watching those people grow yeah in in, in the contemporary the professional the strategic way and uh okay. felt a little bit like you were watering yeah, them and growing yeah, yeah. them and nurturing also, them which is ongoing training
0: and yeah, yeah. which is great and, and, uh, and, and sadly it's still quite rare that's the, the, the only sort of caveat to that is that uh, not everybody can have such a progressive mindset around you know a way procurement can uh, vastly influence what you know, you know what businesses do and how businesses can grow and thrive um, but if you can get people early, get them, you know, get them to realise that actually procurement's quite sexy. And then, mm. then it's, you know, because as you say, it's across the broad, you know, the, 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 the length and breadth of any organisation, because everybody's buying something.
2: That's right. Everybody's impacted by yeah. something, yeah. Either, either way. Um, but you can't do it insular. You, you do need to be engaging stakeholders. You need to be engaging executives. You need to be um, letting them know that it's different uh, and that you can add value.
0: Okay. Well, I think we're nearly, uh, yeah, nearly at the end, mm. Joe. So, is there anything else you, you any other thoughts you'd, you'd like to uh, share with us at this stage?
2: Um. Well, I think there's probably lots of different things that we could discuss into the, into the future. But I guess if we were thinking about the four fundamentals of a procurement leadership framework to get you into that uh, more strategic uh, frame, I, I suppose the first one would be governance, planning and project management. Uh, the second one would be your communications, your engagement and your development program. Number three would be good processes and technology. And the final one is always measure everything and report everything because there's no point if you're not actually telling people how great things are. You cannot measure what you cannot measure, yeah? yeah? Well, that's true. Yeah. That's right.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Joe. Really do very much appreciate um, all the insights that you've been able to share with us. Uh, For those who've been listening and wondering what's going on in the background, we don't know how much of this noise will filter through, but uh, we've been um, in a rather large room in Chatswood, but that's okay. It's all good, all part of the experience.
1: So how do, uh, if organizations uh, are interested into uh, sustainable procurement or or general procurement uh, support, what's the best way to contact you?
2: Uh, joe at joe.progressivesystems.com.au <laughs> Perfect.
1: That's very easy, yeah. Wonderful.
0: One. Christophe, anything you'd like to...
1: No, no, thank you, Joe, for, for coming uh, coming and have, having a chat with us. Um, uh, I'm sure that uh, this will lead to uh, maybe more uh, questions or, or maybe responses from other interviewers that may have listened to your comments and, and want to respond in, in, in a way. And, um, yeah, now we we'll look forward to... Um, to have you um, come on on the podcast again in the future. Thanks very much. Thank
2: you very much. Thank you very much indeed, Joe. That's been
1: wonderful. Okay, time. Thank you for listening to the Procurement Podcast with Andy and Christophe. For more information, please visit our website, procurementpodcast.com, and feel free to email us your questions at info at procurementpodcast.com.